Greetings, I am your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to the second season of my Weirdest Experience podcast. This is the show of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. And it's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hi friends, thanks for listening. This is your host of the Weirdest Experience podcast, Tina Clark. I also wanted to share with you, I have my own energy healing business called Stargazing Angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism, and tarot, and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218, or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, which is www tinakinneyclark.com that's t-i-n-a-k-i-n-n-e-y c-l-a-r-k-e hey everyone welcome to the show i have Bo Bissett here today he is an ammo knee healing guide in charge of exposing the self-awareness necessary to find the healer inside so you can make lasting changes Today he's going to share a couple of stories, including his experience cycling across the U.S., ghosts in Natchez, Mississippi, ghost experiences in Taiwan, and I'm going to let him jump in and explain to us what Ammoni is, because I'm curious about this and I've never heard of it, and anything else you want to add, Bo? Yeah, no worries. Thanks for the introduction. I really appreciate it, Tina. Um, Ammoni is the emotional healing program that I put together. Uh, we use muscle testing, uh, meridian or emotional release points, which are found all over the body. Uh, and a pranayamic breath called the Amo breath and neuro-linguistic programming. So it's basically like a search and destroy system for finding the programmed emotions that we installed when we were children and ridding our system our body of those programmed emotions so we can finally live the life that we want to most of most of our lives many of us are spent fighting fighting those programs that are that get installed based on traumatic experiences in our childhood and trauma most people would view trauma as you know, like a car accident or getting breaking a bone or something like that. But trauma can occur as like something as, as small as like your parent yelling at you or your parent not yelling at you, just like looking at you wrong or not wrong, mm-hmm. but you know, in a mm-hmm. in an angry manner. And we we as children we embodied that uh, we embodied that energy, those emotions. Uh, the words uh, and the feelings, all of that from our external environment, we build a picture of, of, of how we will experience the world after 
after those events, each one of those events are programmed. So the way that we, you know, you, are like, you and I are living now is based on a series of programs that we installed when we were children. And so the way we feel about love, money, uh, food, exercise, butterflies, I mean, you name it, anything is, is, is a program. So, and much of my life has been run by programs that I didn't want running and were keeping me from living my true life's potential. See, and most of my life I was frustrated because, and I've realized through this, through the work that I do, that that frustration is can be your key to happiness because a lot of the times when you're feeling frustrated, you have a conscious intention, like you want to lose weight or you want to uh, get in shape or you want to uh, start a business or you want to do anything or stop anything. The frustration that we feel is our conscious intention going against our subconscious program. So, and so if we know, if we find that frustration, then we know like, well, I've got something there that needs to be cleared. And that's where the work that I do comes in. Like I yeah, said, so whatever just, you learn, that's not serving you. You have to unlearn it. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was just exactly. talking to my nieces about that last weekend. If you have anything that you've learned or you've been taught, you have to unlearn it. Mm-hmm. You have to. It's not just things that we learn too. It's just like see, it's like so many, so much of the, so many of the programs that we're running are subconscious, and most of us to this day and age are running around on autopilot. We're not even thinking. We're just going from one place to the next, just, just kind of almost like zombies. And when we're in that state, the subconscious is running the show. And when the subconscious is running the show, it's one of those programs that you that you installed or that it that the subconscious installed. So letting go of those emotions uh, is the most freeing and liberating thing that has ever happened to me and was finally giving me the chance to live life without the shame and guilt and anger that I was harboring for decades. Yeah. And you ask about why I came to Taiwan. That's, that's part of the reason that I, that I ended up here. You wanted to get as far away as possible? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I ran away. Like, I had a really... Uh, yeah. I grew up in a great... I had, you know, my mom and dad were great. Uh, they got divorced when I was 12. I didn't take that too well. Uh, but I was an angry kid. And I bought... Uh, from from a young age, I started... That, uh, that anger really started manifesting. And I, I broke my ankle several times when I was 15. I... Uh, I ruined my knee and broke all like ACL, MCL cartilage in my knee in a uh, soccer accident. Then I started drinking and using drugs when I was in high school, like using them pretty hard. I got trouble in university. I got two different car accidents where I nearly killed myself. Um, I had a near death experience in the first car accident and my grandfather came and visited me. My dead grandfather came and visited me and said, go back. It's not your time yet. And for about 20 years after that accident, I actually regretted the decision of like listening to him. So me coming to Taiwan, like 
both of those accidents that I got in were me being drunk. And after school, I got into, I got heavy into cocaine. And I was, after all that I'd put my family through, I said, you know, I, I can't, I can't do this again. And I just, I packed up. I didn't pack up. I gave everything I owned away. Uh, I left my brother with the car keys to my car as I was uh, like, as I was leaving the country, like going to the airport. I was like, here's the car, sure, do whatever you want with it. And that's, yeah, I left. And I yeah, pretty much ran away. So. So did things get better when you moved away? No, I just kept drowning myself. <laughs> oh no. I just kept drowning myself in alcohol and I was for most of my life the, for, for me, drinking was just a way to, I just wanted, it made me feel good uh, while I was doing it. Um, but I, I did it so heavily with the purpose that I just really wanted to go to sleep one night and just not wake up again. And that was, I, I, that's how I drank. I drank with that in heaviness and that intention. And um, I guess there, there are other, other plans for me, obviously. So that I was never, I never realized that. Thankfully. Was there a history of alcoholism in your family or? Yeah, my, my, what's, I, my dad's mom and dad were both alcoholics, but I never met them. They both died before I was born. I think it's so interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in looking at trauma and how it's passed down the family line. And oftentimes the descendants have inherited these feelings or problems like addiction and it doesn't make sense that they have those problems. You know, it's not, they could have a really nice childhood, really good parents, but whatever doesn't get healed in the family line gets passed down. Oh, totally agree. Completely. And it's, it's, it's not like, oh, say you have five grandchildren. It's not like all five will get it. It might be the one you know, that one grandchild that for some reason took on the problems and they have, they have, they're there to heal it, I guess. I mean, exactly. nothing happens randomly, right? Mm -hmm. um, so tell, go ahead. I, I was just thinking, like, I do realize now, like, after everything that I've been through, like, I was this, uh, I am, my strength and all the things that I've been through is like, uh, in my, I guess my resilience was able, I was the one that was able to take that on and, and end up turning it into something good eventually. Yeah. So that's amazing. I love people like this. <laughs> Give yourself credit for having the strength to change. Yeah. I mean, I think we all need to, I mean, that's the thing with what, what I'm doing now is like, you know, I'm, you know, when you introduce me, it's uh, a healing guide, right? Like I've been through, I've been down this road. Like I've mm -hmm. healed myself from the traumatic experiences that, uh, that I embodied. And then also like you mentioned that, you know, I inherited from, you know, from all 
all of my lineage, right? My, not mm-hmm. just in my dad's parents, but my grand, my mom's parents as well. And so, you know, I've, I help people, I show people the way. Like, I don't, I'm not a heathen, right? I don't believe that, I don't believe in healers. Um, I believe that there are certain people that, you know, they, they, they have, they have gifts and, and, and things that they that use to, to, to help other people. But like you are the healer. I'm the healer. Each of us, each of us is the healer. And unfortunately over the last, I guess, century, uh, the marketing that's been done in the, I guess the, the medical field, or I guess more more along the, the pharmaceutical field, has 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 marketed the pharmaceutical industry as uh, it's done a very good job of marketing it. And and first of all, like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for modern medicine and the pharmaceutical industry. Like I nearly killed myself twice in two different accidents, accidents, and then had two other life threatening instances where modern medicine helped me right but the thing is like we've been conditioned to believe that we don't have the power to heal that we have to go to a doctor to who then gives us a permission slip to go to another individual who gives us a pill or a concoction or a liquid or a shot and that is the power for us to heal and i that is where i believe uh, the system or you know like marketing that i talked about has failed humankind because we are much more powerful than people than than people believe we are yes totally i mean we can't we can't say that enough nowadays mm-hmm. like you and i are just, we all of us we all have the power to heal we all have the power to be incredible beings and just expand ourselves to limitless potential and uh you know there, you know, you look at like some of the outliers, like I don't know, Michael Jordan and Elon Musk and Gandhi and you know all these people. Like you know, we all we all have that potential in us as well, right? And you know, these people, you know, they, you know, they were they took what they had and they they ran with it. And like we all have the potential to take what's in us and, and run with it and just be just as amazing. Yeah, and, and you don't have to become famous or rich to no. impact a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can be a janitor at school and like, you know, do the best, you know, be the best janitor and like, you know, have people sing praises about you and, you know, it's, yeah, so. And so you cycled across the U.S. Did you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Okay. Um so yeah, when I, I came back to the U.S. after I was in, in Vietnam at the time, and I just I hit a huge low, and this is right before I went started my healing journey. Um, I called my brother, and I was like, "Man, I just I'm I'm, I'm just hit bottom. I'm hit rock bottom." He said, well, "Come back, you know, we'll get you on your feet." And I did, and when I got back, I was like, "How, you know, I don't want to be in America. Um, I enjoy being overseas." So how can I, like, how can I get back on my feet? What can I do? I love traveling. I'm a good writer. So, okay, I just get a bike and ride across the country and write about it. So I started a blog 
Mm-hmm. And I started in Atlanta Beach, North Carolina, with the intention of trading uh, write-ups on my blog website uh, for restaurants and bed and breakfast to help me like get across the country. And in doing so, my plan was that you know by the end of you know the voyage or somewhere along somewhere along somewhere along the way, like I'd pick up some sponsors and I you know. And, that would be that would be my thing, right? I would just be writing and traveling and just write myself or work ride ride myself right into a, a job or my own business. Um, it never it didn't end up working that way, but I had some incredible experiences along the way. Uh, the one that I uh, that I mentioned to you earlier uh, when I when I left when I left Atlanta Beach, North Carolina, I had a hammock with me and that was how that was how i that's how i slept if i didn't have a bed and breakfast lined up to to stay in the night i had very little money at that time and so yeah i was, I was basically sleeping outside in the woods uh, in uh, churches graveyards at uh, churches and graveyards I, I kind of favored because i thought like at night people would be too freaked out to to go to those bother areas. you there yeah right so i was like wow you know that's the safest that's the safest bet for me you know to me to stay like nobody's gonna bother me there i only had one instance and at this point i can't even remember where it was it's somewhere in the middle of the country but i did have a policeman uh come in and into the graveyard uh one night and check and you know, stop and he's like hey what are you doing blah blah, blah. and i talked to him he's like oh, that's pretty smart actually so he told me, but he did tell me, he's like, you know, be careful. You know, there's some kids that come out here sometimes. They're just goofing around. So, um, but anyway, so uh, when I was cycling across the country, I got so, I was so grounded. I was so in touch with nature. Like I was sleeping outside all the time. I was uh, bathing outside. I was, I was eating outside. I was just totally immersed in nature and, and just the sights and sounds and smells of everything natural. And it's just such a beautiful experience. And I got to the point where I could actually feel the, the vibe of a place as I was going into it. Mm-hmm. Um, one, two, two big places that stand out before I'm going to tell you about the, the Natchez story was uh, Western North Carolina, the Indian or native American reservations there. Mm-hmm. There was, oh, it was such a, just very down, heavy, sad vibe to it, like a beaten down. Uh, I was just, it made me, it almost made me want to cry. And then the other was outside of, it's about 10 miles outside of New Orleans. And that was a very, oh, it was, it was a very unsettling vibe. It was uh, like anger. And, and this, I think this was not, it wasn't too long after, what was that big hurricane down there? Was it Floyd? Was that it? Um, Katrina. Oh, that's it, right? Yeah, Katrina, right? So, oh man, it was just, it was a scary, scary vibe. 
And was it coming from the people or the land or both? I think it was from both actually. Okay. So yeah. Then so I got into New Orleans and a lot of people go to New Orleans and they have, you know, they, they fly in and they, you know, they do the whole party thing. And like I got there and then I get there like late in the afternoon and I like got out of there the, the very next morning. Did not, did not like it at all. It was very Wow. Upsetting. I love New Orleans <laughs> and I don't go there to party. I mean, I, right, right. I, I barely drink. Right. It It's, I feel like feminine energy, divine feminine energy in the city. So it resonates with me. And then again, we talked before we started recording that I like any kind of history, Mm -hmm. any kind of historical city or town. I I just Mm -hmm. love it. You know, I love New Orleans and amazing food too. Yeah. I didn't get to enjoy any of that. Like I said, it was just... It was, it was very, very heavy. It's it's very unsettling for me. So are you in North Carolina? Did you grow up in like a small town, like in a country? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, See, I grew up in New York city, so that's a very intense place. So, um, I'm, I'm more familiar. I could go anywhere. Seriously. I could, I could go anywhere. That's the great thing about growing up in New York is you're not afraid of anything. True. You know, people are like, oh, don't go in that neighborhood because it's bad. I'm like, <laughs> so I I grew up like in a not great neighborhood. Right. You know, I know how to handle myself. Um, so Natchez, where is that? In Mississippi, Natchez, right? Yeah, Natchez, Mississippi. It's the beginning of the Natchez Trace, which is a government uh what do you call it? Like national park. It's basically a road that runs from Natchez, Mississippi, and I think it runs all the way up to Tennessee. And there's nothing on the road. It is. It used to be, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, used to be like the the Native American trail, like them following game, like north and south. And. And it is just beautiful. It's unspoiled. There are streetlights on the road, but there's no there's no gas stations, there's no houses, there's no nothing. It's just a road with so I get on there at this point in the trip. I think when I got down to just yeah, when I left uh, left Louisiana, as I was leaving Louisiana, the daytime temperatures were like 117. It was oh ridiculous. God. Like and this, this, humid. Exactly. <laughs> and the summer I went through, it was like, there was no rain, though. And so it was just like scorching hot. So I had to switch to riding at night. And I got on the, Nat- I got on this, the, in Natchez, Mississippi, I got on the beginning of the Natchez Trace at like, I don't know, nine o'clock at night. And I was was just riding all night. And one of the first stops is there was a little, little kind of a, not a rest area, but a little parking lot. And then like a historic marker. And it shows like uh, there was an old school that used to be back there. So I got off my bicycle and uh, parked my bicycle 
then walked down this little trail. I had a flashlight with me. And so I walked down the trail and got to the end of the, uh, end of the trail. And there was a, like a wooden picket fence and in the distance, there was a building, like an old just structure, one of the building. And like I said, I'd been by, by this point, I had already been sleeping in graveyards and churches. And then I was, I, I had no fear. There was nothing bothered me, mm-hmm. but I was standing there. And, it's, and as I, as I was standing there, my skin just started rippling. Like how you get, you know, I had to get goosebumps and yeah. it ran up both, both my arms and then up my neck and into my head. And I was like, <sighs> and I started breathing really heavy. I was like, what is going on? I was like, dude, calm down. And then I was like, no, 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 this is not right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just turned and I ran, just ran full speed, got on my bike and just, I didn't stop for like 30 minutes. And so after that, I, I wrote about the, I wrote about the experience on my blog. And one, one of the people who was following me did some research and found out that like uh, a group of, I don't know, national paranormal experts went to that spot and found out that there was an actual entity at that, at that spot that they measured with all their, you know, fancy equipment and stuff. So that was, yeah, that kind of that blew me away. I was like, wow, I actually had a, paranormal experience have you ever felt like full body chills like going up your legs down your arms that's that's what that's what this is that's what that's what this is the whole like my whole body the whole body so not just your neck not just your arms but your whole body i felt that whole thing i felt that but in a good way do you know what i mean not in a negative way Mm -hmm. like i've i've felt that um in, in a session energy healing session with who's now a friend she's a friend of mine and we literally lifted like a blanket of energy off her body wow and then she actually grabbed my arm and she was like what's happening and I was like whatever's happening it's really good and yeah. I was getting these full I, I'm already like getting kind of chills uh-huh. talking about it again but I was getting these full body chills and I was just like, just hang in there, just hang in there. Like something's leaving, you know, yeah. that you no longer need. Right. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. But, it you was... know, you know, I don't think I could sleep in graveyards. I just. It was, we you know when you, you mentioned that, like, uh, I, I don't think it was, I, I don't consider the it, it negative. It was just, it was energy it, it, it was just a feeling right but i right. was alone and yeah it was at night and <laughs> and I, I think if i'd have had somebody there to experience it with me like it would have been that it would have been different but like yeah. alone just, just and then just out in the middle of nowhere just yeah i i didn't know how to handle it so and which is kind of funny because uh when i told you about uh leaving you know running uh, when I was, uh, and leaving the States and moving, moving, moving overseas, like that was my response. Most of my life running from things. So yeah. anyway, yeah. so that was my first response was like run. <laughs> so that's what I did. Yeah. Well, smart. I know. Yeah. You, you yeah. may have gotten a warning, get out and you listened. 
Yeah. And the problem is the people who don't listen. <laughs> That's right. Oh, no, we're fine. Just keep going. You know, and then it yeah. gets worse. So definitely trust your feelings all the time. Exactly. What kind of entity is there? Do you know? It was, it was, I think it was like a little girl who was, I'm not sure if she was murdered or not. At this, it was, that was like 10 years ago. So I, I don't remember. I'm sure you can look it up and find, uh, uh, yeah, to find something about it. Oh, well, but if it's a girl. I think, yeah, it was, I think it was a little girl. And the whole hierarchy of spirits you could bump into, not too bad. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And then you live in, Taiwan now, right? Yeah, I live in Kaohsiung, Taiwan, the south, the south of Taiwan. Well, let's go back to the cycling. What mm -hmm. is that the oddest, scariest thing ha that happened to you? Do you have an experience that you were just like, what the hell? I don't understand this at all. I don't know what I'm seeing or feeling or. Yeah, that, well, I had another instance when like after my wife and I went through uh through this clearing work that that is now Ama and me we we had at one point we had two different places we had a place in the city so she could get her kids closer to uh, to school and then we have a little place there on the mountain that overlooks the uh, ocean and so we were going back there we were going back there one night for something with I don't know she needed to pick something up or I can't remember what it was but we went back and we walked into the place and the there was a light that was flashing like doors were flapping in open in the in the, the house we walked in and as soon as we did the and this time like that uh you know that that those goosebumps it was full body and it was but it was it was not it was not pleasant. It mm -hmm. was, it was very, very creepy. And we actually, we have a friend of ours who's a Buddhist monk that we called in and she came in and did some special ceremonies. And apparently she was talking about how the, yeah, there was a, there was a spear there that was looking for help to, to move on. Mm -hmm. That was, that was the, weirdest thing that I've ever had have happened it was it was almost like you know with the with the experience of Natchez it was very it was very surreal with this it was like it was almost like you know those movies like poltergeist movies like freaky and angry and it was yeah it was not it was very unsettling so there were like doors opening and closing and all sorts of yeah, activities. Yeah, lights, lights going on and off. Yeah, it was, yeah. See, I've never experienced that. And I've experienced a lot of different paranormal activity. I've heard about it though. I've had it people was... experience. I, I had a friend from high school who would come home and I stayed in this house. Oh, but she said she would come home and all the kitchen cabinet drawers and and doors would be open. Very like, didn't that happen in the movie Poltergeist? Yeah, I think so. And then the chairs were, and Poltergeist, the chairs were all on the table, balanced in a, like a weird way. But she said mm -hmm. that would happen. And 
but I didn't feel anything bad in there. But that was before I started my, you know, communication skills with spirit. But I would definitely feel them around. Wow. I would just say, don't show yourself because I don't want to see you because I don't want to get freaked out. But I know you're here. Right. I would validate it. I'd be like, I know you're here, but don't show yourself. Oh. <laughs> I think that's what my my wife she she did she did something similar. Like we when we got in there, I walked in there and like it it hit me first. And I was like, whoa, there's something here. This is not good. And she's she was like, you know, just calm down. You know, just you know, it is what it is. You know, they're just you know, they're entities here. But you know, so she she had a very collected approach, like like you did. Yeah. Oh, like like you mentioned. So, so how did you how did you like open up? Like what? Uh... Um, and around 2011, I started really just reading a lot about uh, past lives, and I tried hypnotherapy. I tried a psychic reading. I was able to communicate with my father, who passed away 31 years ago for the first time. Whoa. And that was huge for me. And so I just started. How did that communication, how did that that happen? Well, the funny thing is, is because the psychic I was working with, he said, I don't like to pass messages from past loved ones. That's not what I'm doing here in this reading. And I was like, okay, I'll respect that. And so he's, he's telling me about myself, telling me about my energies. And he's like, well, there's a man in the room. And I was like, okay. And he's like, he's got dark hair and he has a, a name that starts with a G. And I'm like, that's my father because his name is Gerald. And then I looked at him and I was like, please, can you just pass on what he's saying? I know, I know you said you don't like to do that. And he agreed. And so I had this whole conversation with my dad through him. That's cool. Yeah. And that was really, really good for me. It was very healing. And this guy was like, he was completely accurate about everything. hundred percent. Everything he said. And I was like, oh my God, like this is mind blowing. So I did that. And then I was living in Northern Virginia at the time. And I took a tarot class, um, and I loved it. And I've been using tarot ever since. That was 2014. And then my tarot teacher was also a Reiki master teacher. Mm-hmm. So I really liked her and her energy and her teaching style. So I took everything that she taught. Oh. And, and, and uh, I ended up having, I blogged about this because I have my own blog too. But I had a dream about Patrick Swayze. And we were walking along Hollywood, some together talking, and he was unhappy about something. So I was like advising him in the dream. And it felt really real. And I've always been like a really vivid dreamer. Yeah. And so I told my teacher, I said, what, what do dreams mean? Because I had a really vivid dream about a celebrity. I mean, I don't even know this guy. And she's like, well, tell me about it. And I told her and she gave me this side eye. And she's like, I think that you had really a a real interaction with him in the dream state. And then she said, do you dream about 
like people who passed and animals that passed. And I was like, oh, yeah, all the time. Doesn't anybody? You know, doesn't it? She's like looking at me like, no, not everybody does this. Like not everybody is dreaming about people. If somebody dies around me, I'm usually the one that dreams about them. So when when you dreamt about Patrick Swayze, this was after he uh, passed away, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Interesting. So she said, well, did you know that if you if you have these type of dreams that you're a medium? And I was like, no, I didn't know that. And she said, the reason why they commu- they're communicating with you is because you can communicate with them. You're remembering this communication on the dream state. So I started working with her to, to strengthen my skills and practice. And I realized that not only could I feel them, which I always did my entire life, I could see them and I could hear them. And I never, ever tried to talk to any of them. You know, it was like, it never occurred to me. (laughs) But when I asked them questions, they answered back and I was like, oh my God. And that's when my fear went away. I was like, this is just like a person that used to be alive. Why am I scared? Because now we can communicate and I can help them or I can deliver a message. So the fear went away when it came to it. Wow. That's cool. I'd like like to put my wife in touch with me. She's uh, a lot of the stuff that you talk about, she experiences as well, so. Yeah. So you're in Taiwan now. Let's talk about some of your experiences there. Okay. Yeah, I moved to, uh, I left the States when I was about 27. And yeah, I traveled and started in Europe. And then I ended up in Taiwan. And then I left Taiwan. And then uh, from there, I went to Mexico, I was in Spain, I was in Vietnam, came back to Taiwan came back to Taiwan maybe three or four times. And funny enough that I just, my wife found something online uh, a few weeks ago about, uh, there was a Scandinavian scientist that came here, I think in the early 2000s and he did some, some tests and apparently, and there's only, there's only a few articles. I don't know where, you know, why this wasn't made any more public or why it wasn't pushed any more than it was, but he found out, he said that he found that Taiwan had a, had a stronger energy than like the energy coming out of Sedona in the States. And I, I've always a lot of the people that come to Taiwan, a lot of the foreigners that come to Taiwan, there's always this, there's always quite a few that have the, the same experience that I have had. It's like, yeah, I left and then came back. Just, I don't know what it is. It's just one of those, you know, it's just, and it keeps pulling me back. Mm-hmm. And I've tried, like I said, I think I've been back, I've left three times and now here I am, so. It's a beautiful, beautiful island. Most of the 
most of the people are settled on the West Coast because there's a huge central mountain that runs right down the middle of the country and which saves the West Coast from the typhoons, which are basically Asian uh, hurricanes that come in the summer. Yeah. So the, the East Coast is very sparsely developed. and it's, But from outside of the cities on the West Coast, oh, all the way to the East Coast, it's beautiful. The parts that you could go through and you, you think you're in like a Jurassic Park movie. It's just absolutely amazing. So it's like a tropical environment? Yeah, subtropical. Sub-tro- sub-tropical. How so, big is the island? It's very, very small. I, as far as how big it is, I think it's like maybe a third the size of North Carolina, maybe smaller. But it's not big. I mean, you could, I think I could cycle well, North Carolina's huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it'd be like a third. Maybe like a third of the size. Yeah. Maybe even smaller. So it's not big at all. So what do you think is going on there energetically? Why is the energy so strong there? You know, it's interesting because, you know, you look at what's happened, you know, Taiwan is a very small country off the coast of China. And for the last hundred years, they've kept China from invading, right? Um, and then you look at like the recent COVID outbreak, like Taiwan was the lone stronghold of like no COVID in, in, uh, impenetration into the country. Like there was, I think at the, the highest, we had like a couple hundred cases a day. Now, like the, the vaccines came in and they're completely uh, real, they've gotten lax about the standards that they had set at the height that the the height mm-hmm. of the pandemic mm-hmm. because because the vac because the virus is now weakened so it's basically you know nothing more than like a lot of people are just asymptomatic but it's you know that you know those those things and then it's just uh, make it. A very it's a special little place yeah i feel that the people, that the people are so sweet they're really nice yeah. very very helpful and helping uh, i've never never had a there's very little you know you know like in america like you know you get cops running all over the place and you know they're trying to chase down the bad guy like you know cops <laughs> they don't do that here there's no if you do see them, they're out helping somebody. They're, you know, out uh, doing paperwork for uh, for like a bumper bumper to bumper accident. There's no, you don't see any, you know, big robberies or big. It's just, it's just, it's just a, like a Goldilocks little island. Yeah, it sounds nice. It is. It's very nice. Have you been to Sedona? No, I haven't. I have. It's what pretty magical. Like? Um, I'm not a desert person. Like, mm-hmm. I admire the desert and the beauty of it. I'm more, I'm, I'm really need to, need to be around water, I'm especially the ocean. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's pretty magical. Like, 
at night, even though it's a small town or city, you can see billions of stars right in the center of town. That's awesome. I mean, it's amazing. So definitely, and a lot of spiritual people are drawn there mm -hmm. um, because of the energies. Um, I get drawn out to Montana. I've been there like five or six times. Oh, wow. I would love to go out there. <laughs> Yeah, and it, I always, it's always kind of shocking because I don't know anybody out there. I don't have any family, but as, on a spiritual level, the land, I feel completely comfortable there. Like I could go in the forest, not see anybody all day, feel completely safe. I don't feel like that in other forests, you know, right. in the U.S. Right. The people are okay. I don't think they're as accepting as me as the land is. Mm -hmm. But like where I live now in Charleston, I feel welcomed and accepted by the land and the people. Nice. That's a yeah, good balance. And that's the home where you make your home. Exactly. Right? Okay. So tell people where they can find you, how they can work with you online and... Yeah, the best way to reach me is on the website. Um, I've got social media, you know, stuff just like everybody else. But yeah, the website is the hub of my operations. It's amoniclear.com. So it's A-M-O-N-I-C-L-E-A-R.com. Nice. Yeah, well, reach, reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you well, so much, Tina. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you both for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your platform with me and helping me spread my message. Thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneyclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.